How risky are you? Are you swinging for the fences, looking for home runs, or are you more of a contact hitter looking for singles and doubles? In this episode, we define risk and walk you through a risk assessment exercise that determines how aggressive you approach finance. If you want to take the risk assessment quiz that we use in this episode, email podcast at financiallysharp.com. Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to episode 19 of the Financially Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared towards making you more financially literate. I'm Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner, and I am joined with co-host, certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, Tanner Bortnam. This episode is being released the first weekend of May 2022. Uh, The NFL draft just concluded. I know I'm a big NFL fan, so is Tanner, so... Um, we're going to spend the first couple minutes of discussing one of the most important weekends of the off season of the NFL. Um, Tanner, I probably watched near all of it, which is sad <laughs> to say, I think most, that's a good, well, the average fan probably doesn't watch as much as I did, but that's right. Good use of your it. time. Yeah. I'm with you on yep. that. I, I love watching. I, I would definitely watched all of Thursday, Friday, and most of Saturday. Once it got into around six, I didn't really care at that point, so went and did some <laughs> other things. <laughs> yeah, definitely at that point, you just kind of flip it off and then just open a tracker and yep. follow. So there's a lot of uh, local talent that I was interested later in the draft. There's actually a kid from Marshall that maybe could have been drafted, but uh, didn't. But he signed with the Dolphins, so. Oh, nice. Um, Undrafted cool. free agent. Yep, yep. Yep. So the second kid from Marshall, Minnesota, that's in the NFL, which is absolutely insane coming from a community of 13,000. Yeah. Oh, that is really neat. I was uh, I was hoping the Chiefs would pick up that Pierre Strong out of South Dakota State. Um, I, I just really liked his talent level, but then also would have been really cool. I, um you know, with me growing up five miles from SDSU, it would have been neat. I know he's not from there, but just a jackrabbit being on the team would have been cool. Sure. Small school guy. That's right. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I always just like the the mayhem and the the trading and all that kind of stuff. So it was fun yeah. for him. There's always hope. Or it's the season of hope, right? Um, it is. It is. Specifically for Vikings fans, it was a new regime. So it was... Just getting a feel for what the uh, the new general manager and coach were looking for. So, I don't know. Kind of interesting. We'll see how it plays out. Yep. But. Yeah. It was um, kind of boring first round, uh, but then a bunch of trades. And then, like you said, it was um, good to watch. Depends on what team you're uh, a fan of. I know 
one of our friends is a Green Bay fan and wasn't very pleased with some of those picks. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was just fine with what the Chiefs did. Uh, and I know you're kind of still determining for the Vikings, but um, a few other teams had some really, really good drafts. But, you know, that's that's uh, the information right now. It looks like it was amazing or a you know, terrible draft or whatever, but re- in reality, we won't know for three, four, five years whether it was actually good or not. Yep. For more in-depth NFL draft analysis, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to start an, a, a whole separate podcast for that, I guess. Probably won't oh, have no. the same listeners, but... No, no, and and there's other people that are much more experts than us that uh, just go listen to one of their podcasts on the on the draft. Yeah, it looked a lot of fun in Vegas. There's a lot of Vikings jerseys I saw on the the yep. broadcast next um, year in KC. Yeah, might have to check that out. I know we've preliminary discussions of all that. So yeah, that'd that be could cool. Be fun. Um, you know, just showing up, traveling. To, to see names being read off a card. God, we're losers. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I thought about that. I don't know if I'd just stand there for three days. Just, yeah. No, no. It'd be one one day probably and just, uh, just I don't even people watching and stuff. Yeah. I think I'd want to be around but not in there and then yeah, go yep. just experience everything going on. Buzz. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But not actually pay whatever those people paid to be in the right tent or you know whatever it was that structure or everything was getting read off all right enough of that (laughs) (laughs) today uh in this episode we're talking about risk and risk tolerance what is it uh why it's important for you and your portfolio and how you figure out your risk score we're gonna talk about a few things in risk um, in general first, and then we're going to do an exercise um, that, that Tanner does with each of his clients, and we're going to do kind of a quiz and uh, walk step-by-step through that and what that means. Um, so starting this uh, episode off, risk, what what is it and how is that defined from a financial sense? Sure, yeah. Um, so risk is just, you know, obviously how how aggressive you want to take i mean everyone knows the definition of of what risk is um every person is going to have their own risk tolerance um is is kind of the buzzword or keyword in in the financial industry and and what that's saying is just how how aggressive do you do you want to be or how much tolerance do you have for riskier assets um you know, typically it's not guaranteed, but typically a, a more aggressive or a riskier asset should uh, have a higher potential for bigger returns. If you're going to take on more risk, you need to be rewarded with a potential of higher returns. Now, again, that's not guaranteed. The riskier it is, also the more likely it is to to go bankrupt or you know to lose money too. So. You know, being more aggressive on the risk scale, think of it like a baseball analogy. You're trying to hit a home run every time. Well, the more you try to hit home runs, the more you're going to strike out as well. Um, If you're trying to be lower on a risk tolerance, um, you're going to be more trying to just hit those singles, maybe a double every once in a while, make contact with the ball, and you're not going to strike out nearly as often because you're not, you know, trying to take those big swings. Uh, You know, and like I, I mentioned, everyone has 
their own risk tolerance. Um, and that's part of behavioral finance. And, you know, uh, previous episode, we've, we went over that. It's something I really, really love and want to understand for all my clients. And it's driven off of, you know, not just where you are in life currently. Um, that's a big component of it. Typically people who are younger are more willing to take on risk because they have a longer time horizon until they retire. People closer to retirement, typically they want to start backing that down. But that's not all of it. I mean, it, it also de- depends on you know how much money you've accumulated up to the point uh, where you are in life and all of your experiences, how you view money, all the experiences you've had previously with money, um, with investing in the past, those all come through and help you be either more aggressive or less aggressive just depending upon how you view money. I mean, you I've met people that are in their 20s and they're very, very risk averse and they would have a very low risk score. So with someone like that, we're going to chat with them and, you know, try to understand why it's so low and, you know, try to move that up because you don't want to have a, a really conservative risk score when you're 20. I mean, unless you're sitting, sitting on millions and millions of dollars already as a 20 year old, um, you know, you need to have some risk. You don't need to be out of control, but you do need to have you know some risk out there and try to grow those assets. And similarly, on the flip side, people who've been very successful throughout their lives, I have also met and have had some clients like this where they're in retirement and still want to keep trying to hit those home runs. And it's, you know, mm. then we have the reverse talk. No, no, no. Let's uh, try not to strike out here. Let's just hit some singles and doubles. We're going to be fine. We don't need to try to hit home runs and, and end up striking out too much. And all of a sudden now it's uh, let's go back to work type of a situation. Cause you don't have enough money. Interesting behavioral, the behavioral part is so fascinating to me. And I wish, it is. I wish uh, if I could go back and, and, and do more psychology and of, of marketing of, of everything that I think the psychology of just humans in general is, is something that I didn't really understand and um, develop a curiosity for until later in life. And it, I wish I, maybe that's something I can do a little bit more research on or we can do uh, something in the future. But um, it, it's just so fascinating how we approach um, different, uh, different financial aspects or different avenues um, when it comes to... to to risk. Um, let me ask you a question. Um, obviously you answered it with the, um, the age being a, a huge factor of, of your risk number. Do you see with some of your clients, how the risk number going down or, or clients being a little bit more trusting or, um, willing to take on a little bit more risk, the further they're in a relationship with you, um, and the strength of your client to advisor relationship? Um, no, no, this one's risk tolerance is really just based on, on them. Um, and it's, you know, going back to what you just said, I, I absolutely love the behavioral finance part too, you know, how people think and how they view, you know, I, I think of it as a good analogy is like, we all view money differently. It's like we all wear glasses, right? 
but everyone's prescription is different and the prescription is based upon all of your previous interactions and all of your previous outcomes, good or bad, that deal with investing in money and finances and everything up to your life. And no one's, you know, my glasses are different than yours. And if I tried to put yours on, I, you know, I'm mm -hmm. not going to be able to see because it's not going to make sense to me because I didn't have the same experiences. And so, you know, going just beyond a risk score is what I try to do with clients and really understand all of that. And it's something that's innate to just them. And it's one piece of their financial puzzle. So um, I wouldn't say that I see a risk score change the longer someone's been a client of mine. Um, you know, they obviously trust me more and my recommendations and different things as I am able to work with them longer and build that trust. But we start with their risk score and, you know, through through their financial plan of what they want to achieve, that may dictate us having to change their risk score. But it's not just the fact that they're working with me uh, per se. You know, it may be using that analogy of, you know, someone that's um, in retirement but wanting to be really aggressive. Well, we don't need to do that. Your financial plan is going to be fine without us having to do that. So we will, the financial plan will dictate that we would back that down um you know not necessarily just the fact that they're working with me for a number of years do you do you find yourself or is it your job to get clients to either accept more risk or maybe they're too risky and bring them back down a little bit on the spectrum yep. or what do you do once you've established that risk number yeah uh so once we establish the risk number, um, and mine is a number, we'll, and I know we'll go through this when we go through your quiz here later in the episode, but mine's a number. Uh, it, it's a like a speed limit sign between zero and 100. Um, some advisors will just have it be aggressive, moderate, uh, conservative, you know, different words. But um, that is definitely part of an advisor's job is to... Um, well, one, know what it is. Too many advisors don't even give this or know what a client's risk, risk tolerance is. Once you know it, then again, it's going back to that financial plan. So I'll flip the example this time. Let's say there's a 25-year-old a that's a client of mine who only wants to have a, a risk score of, of 20, which is really low. We'd be driving sl really slow. Well, based on their financial plan and what they want to achieve, we might not be able to drive that speed. We need to drive faster or we're not going to get to our end destination. And that's my job as the advisor to have those conversations, help them understand that and get to a point where we're comfortable driving, you know, a speed, having the right amount of risk to also achieve their goals. And then vice versa on the flip side, if you're driving way too fast, and we don't need to be driving that fast, then we need to back that down because there's no reason to take on additional risk for no for no reason. If the plan can be achieved by driving 50 and we're currently driving 60, 70, 80, which this is actually one I see a ton of, especially with new clients that come over to me, they'll have a risk score of, let's say somewhere between 50 and 60 and I'll do their financial plan and their financial plan will be successful with us driving somewhere between 50 and 60. But yet their old advisor 
has their assets at 85. Like way mm. too aggressive, way too mm. aggressive. And that is, uh, in the industry, I would say that tends to happen a lot is that advisors are overly aggressive with client assets because they solely look at returns. And so they're always mm -hmm. trying to hit that home run to be like, look, see, I'm an amazing advisor because I hit a home run this year. But they don't talk about how many years they strike out either. So um, so yes, to answer your question is definitely the advisor's job to move that or help a client get to the appropriate range. That's another benefit of fee only, correct? Um, I mean, I would, yeah, yes, and yes, and no. I mean, obviously, I I preach that I think fee only is should be the only way that people um, go or the only type of advisors that they work with. But on a even if you're not working with that, um, it doesn't add more commissions or anything like that. If you're working with someone that's not fee only, um, it's just with with not being a fiduciary, it might not be something that they focus on as much because they have less of a duty to you to do what's in your best interest. Um, so I don't know, maybe, I guess. Okay. That was, I thought that was going to be a good plug. Yeah, I know you tried, <laughs> you tried, but uh, I gotta, gotta make question. sure. I'm, no, you're fine. I just gotta make sure I'm answering. Obviously, you know, everything is honestly as, as we can so that everybody has mm -hmm. the right info. Okay, uh, you have all these, all, all your clients take this quiz or this risk assessment. How often yep. do you have them? How often does this uh, get taken or how often does your score change given uh, certain variables? Sure, uh, we'll take the first part. How often does it get taken? Um, anyone that's a client uh, or comes over and becomes a client, we give this right away. And um, so the, the test itself gets given as soon as someone becomes a client. And then after that, it's more of a, I don't know, every couple of years, unless something major in life happens, I'll, I'll send it out to clients and, and we'll just have them retake it, see if things have really changed on their risk score. Um, but it's not something that needs to be taken every quarter or every, you know, even once a year, you probably don't need to take it unless there's major changes, uh, which kind of leads into that second part is how often does a score change? It really just depends on people's lives. Um, I would say a major life change will change a score much more than just time. You know, if you're 65 years old and your risk tolerance was a 50, the fact that you're now 70 years old and if things are still going just fine and your financial plan is doing what it's supposed to and you're still on track, you're probably still going to be at a 50 um, or close there too. Now, if you inherited a bunch of money or if something came up and you had a bunch of medical bills that took money out or, you know, big things like that that change your financial plan, then that's when I... I would see more of uh, the scores change. Gotcha. Um, do you take this as a household unit or individually? So every client takes it, uh, and then I will average the scores if I have, um, you know, a household. If I have, I have two clients, um, we'll average them so that we get the household, yeah, overall household. Good, because <laughs> I just uh, what I we'll, we'll take the quiz here in a minute. I've uh, I, full disclosure, I've taken it before, but uh, we thought it'd be good exercise. I, I was going through the quiz and I was like, Greta's going to answer so <laughs> differently than yep. me. Yep. So uh, and she's again, definitely on the more conservative side of the spectrum. Yeah. And so, you know, in situations like that where one uh, you know spouse is really aggressive and the other one's really conservative, uh, you know, 
once I know what the scores are, I then turn around and have a meeting with clients about their scores and say, okay, I'm just going to use you guys. Adam, you're very aggressive. Greta, you want to be more conservative. For your financial plan to be um, accomplished, we need to drive, uh, you know, have a risk tolerance of 65. Is everyone, Adam, are you comfortable dropping down to 65? And Greta, are you comfortable moving up to 65? And we just have that discussion at that point and see where everyone feels. Sometimes clients are, sometimes they aren't. And so we can move that number slightly, um, but I don't like to veer too far off of, you know, because at the end of the day, the goal is to have a successful financial plan, um, you know, regardless of what our, our risk tolerance is. Um, so that kind of is the driver, but then we also want to make sure that we're not, you know, again, driving too fast or too slow just to, to achieve comfort because you can be comfortable and not achieve any of your goals. And then you're not comfortable when in retirement, cause you didn't achieve any goals. Sure. Yeah. It's important to, um, have that plan and have that des- end destination and, yeah. Um, nailed down just because I, I really like the, the the speed limit, how fast we're driving, um, and and where we're driving. We're obviously driving to that destination. Yep. And how how fast we need to be. Exactly. So yep. And when we need to let's get drive there. fast and hit some bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Safely, we we are going Sa- to see, and Sorry. and that's the one too. Like let's I- drive a little over the speed limit and hit doubles. <laughs> how about that? Well, that might work. That might work. But yeah, and I'll also say me as the advisor, I actually do the opposite of what most advisors do. I know I touched a little bit on it earlier that most advisors, I would say, try to be more aggressive because they're just trying to focus on returns. Whereas I view it the opposite. Once I know, you know, again, we're keeping it in this speed limit and, and a driving analogy. Once I know where we are and where we need to drive to and when we need to get there, I'm going to get my clients there in the safest manner, which is driving as slow as possible, but yet still getting there on time. Um, and any, you know, any times that things work out where we can have higher returns than expected, that just puts us ahead of schedule. But I'm always going to try to get us there as safe as possible because it's a lot, it's a lot harder to make back money you lose than it is to, um, you know, how do I want to phrase that? With percentages, I think it's a little caveat, but I do want to walk down this. With percentages, people don't always know how to exactly calculate things. Like, for example, if if you have $10 invested and you lose 20%, you're now at 8 bucks, right? So what do you need to do to get back to 10 It's not a 20% gain. It's more than 20% gain because now you have to go... You know, 20% of, of I, this is probably terrible math, so I got to do this quickly. 20% of eight bucks is going to be not quite 2.25, so it's 1.6. So you'd only gain back. You'd only be at $9.60. So you have to go more mm-hmm. than 20% just to get your money back. And so, again, like trying to hit those home runs all the time, can work out from time to time, but if you strike out too many times, it's a big hill to to climb. Um, and we just want to let that compound interest work for us, which again is a previous episode. All right, our math class is concluded. <laughs> I was there's no help for me coming with that. I'm no, bad with oh no, that's fine. Math. 
It's just uh, it down. same. Yeah, it just some of the I should have made an easier one to instantly get it. It takes me a little bit longer oh, mentally it. for the other ones. But um, yeah, it's just it's something that, you know, a lot of people don't don't know that we don't think about it. You know, easier one would have just been 50 percent return. Or, you know, if you lose 50 percent, it's not 50 percent back. It's actually 100 percent back to right. get, you know, to go from five to 10, that's a doubling. So it's a hundred percent return. And so, um, anyways, I would just tell people, you know, find your risk tolerance and drive as slow as you can to, but yet still get there on time. All right, let's dive into this. Into yours. Risk. All right. Into mine. Well, you're up. Do we want to plug, do we want to plug anything for those that are listening that might want to kind of follow along or take it themselves? Oh yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, well, I guess the only way to really do that because it's not on the website. Uh, the only way to do that would be send uh, you know, send us your email. We're happy to send this out to you so that you can take your your risk score. Um, I would just need to have an email to send that out to. You. So send us an email at um, podcasts at financially and then we'll we'll send this out to you guys. Um, we'll make. I'll try to illustrate. Because some of these are are some graphs and illustrate the numbers, um, it is helpful if you're kind of walking along with us. So um, we'll send that out to you. All right. I'm trying to remember how many questions this was. It's not very long. No, it should only take about five, five ten, ten minutes. minutes. Yep. Yeah. So especially if you're doing it by yourself and your significant other isn't with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't. We probably aren't going to oh, take yeah. five ten minutes to go through this because you've already taken right, right, it, right. but. Yep. Okay. Start. Let's start with your goals, Adam. What are your primary financial goals? Select up to three. Uh, I've given five options with an option to customize a goal. So the first one is retirement, wealth accumulation, paying down debt, college savings, and income. So I have to select up to three of those with an addition of potentially a custom goal. So, all right, I'm going to select retirement, uh, wealth accumulation, and I can't remember what I... Probably paying down debt would be one that I'm going to be interested in. Just because I felt like wealth accumulation and income are probably the in the same vein. So uh, those are my th- real quick, they're three not. financial goals. Okay. Just because you have a high income does not mean that you're saving it. Wealth accumulation is saving your... Uh, saving your wealth or whatever generating wealth and and saving what you earn so sure mr smarty pants wow just helping helping out for anyone that's going to take it uh let's uh next one is let's talk about your financial status anything interesting in terms of employment inheritance major expenses etc um, this is just a free dialogue box just to send to your financial advisor. Uh, yeah. So for the sake of this one, you don't have to put anything in for the podcast. Um, anyone taking this for your with your financial advisor, it's just additional notes for them to know if you have a big inheritance coming up, different things that they can help plan for. Um, if there's nothing, it, it's just notes just to help. Yeah. I didn't put much in here. I put yep. small business owner. So no, you're fine. next question is how much do you have to invest um and then you enter in a dollar amount this was a question i think i asked you while i was doing this um this is ready to give to your financial advisor right now correct it's not your total um that you have already uh no i would say it's going to be your total investable dollars currently so like for us 
for this example, we're going to use $100,000. So that's easy math as we go through this. But it's, you know, you're going to want to add up your 401k, you're going to want to add up any outside, you know, IRAs, any just regular investment accounts, savings accounts, add all that up, because that's your total investable amount right now. Um, because all of that helps with your risk tolerance, obviously savings account, there's no risk. So that helps bring your risk tolerance down. You know, your 401k, you don't get a ton of options in it. It might unfortunately be too aggressive just on the fact that you don't have enough conservative options inside of there. So you want to make sure that your entire portfolio of everything you own combined fits into this risk tolerance that you're about to set. And that might take time if you want to pause right now and kind of figure that yeah. out. That's just a, a a general round number. It doesn't have to be exact. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Estimations are totally fine. If you're off by five, ten thousand, it's not a huge deal. Uh, next next page is um, when you were born and what age do you plan to retire? So I'm going to enter in. Um, and this might change because I was actually just reading an article on Forbes about kind of the new new retirement age based on medical science and the uh, the life expectancy changing. So um, you're going to put in your desired age. It kind of pre-fills with the age of 65. That's kind of the age that's been ingrained in my brain. So um, that's going to have a huge impact on the speed limit, right? Uh, it will not have an impact on the speed limit. It will have an impact on your financial plan. It helps. It's a piece towards your financial plan. All right. So I put in my birth date and uh, retirement age. So I'm 32 and hoping to be retired by 65. How do you feel about the market is the next question. And it's two options, positive or negative. I'm going to select positive next. Anything to add on that? Nope. Just okay. how, how do you feel, feel about it. your financial future? Confident or anxious? going to select confident because I have a great financial advisor. <laughs> well and done. I'm doing it while I'm young. Ish. <laughs> All right. Next page is risk and reward go hand in hand. Um, and I'm um, briefed with kind of an interactive graph here. So it's important for your financial professional to know both the amount of of risk you're comfortable taking and the return you're seeking. Think about the next six months and adjust the slider below to fit your comfort zone. Yeah, so this one, this is where your risk score is going to come from the most, uh, this and the next couple of questions. And what this is, is you just move this little slider around to say, I am willing to lose potentially lose so like i move move this just to for an example i am comfortable losing eight thousand one hundred and twenty four dollars for the chance of gaining thirteen thousand one hundred and eighty two dollars and you just move that around to whatever you're comfortable with obviously the lower that you are on that the slower you're going to want to drive the more risk you're willing to take the more reward um you're trying to achieve as well and, and it'll move either via dollars or you can see the percentages and so you just um, move that around to what you're comfortable with is this dollar determined on the previous hundred thousand dollars yeah this okay. is and that's why that's important to have all of your close an estimate close estimate of your 
total investable dollars um, in the previous two or three questions previously because this is driven off of that. All right, think about the next six months and adjust the slider below to fit your comfort zone. I'm going to be, I would say I'm about like a 65 to 70% kind of spectrum type guy. So that puts me around like 7% return. So that yields for this graph. I am willing to lose $13,000 for the chance at gaining $20,000. That's where I'm going to put my All right. slider. Typical portfolio like this would target an annual return of 7%. There we go. All right, next page. Now, what if the market dropped quickly and your portfolio value dropped by $11,826? That's kind of pre-filled or auto-filled based on my previous answer. So what if the market dropped quickly and your portfolio value dropped by 11,000, 12,000? What would you do? A or B? A, stay invested. B, sell and reduce risk. Um, I have been taught by someone that's very smart and it's, <laughs> it's a long game. So we're going to be a long play here. I'm going to say A, stay invested. And how much of how much impact does that question have? If I were to say B sell, ah, uh, it, it's I mean again, all of these questions from where you start that slider moving okay. through the end help set how fast what your risk score should be and how fast you want to drive. So if it, it's it's all checks and balances there, you know, like for example, if you on your first one said I I you know was willing to lose 13 to try to make 20,000 and then all of a sudden it comes here and it says if if you had lose you know almost 12,000 what would you do and you said oh I'd get out okay well, then they're going to go back and say man eh, you're probably not as aggressive as what you stated and so it's just awesome. it's a, yeah it's it's multiple ways of checking and balancing to make sure that we get as accurate of a risk tolerance for clients yeah i really like your feedback as cuz that's i wanted to call you while i was doing this i was yeah, wanting to pick your brain of okay if i answer this what's it gonna do and and if i answer that what's it gonna do so okay another slider here this one was a lot of fun too um let's put your comfort comfort zone to the test uh would you sacrifice some of that potential upside for the safety of a certain outcome and it's an a or b situation um and it's asking me select which scenario a or b feels better to you a is a potential gain of $20,000 that could lose you up to $13,000 or B, a certain gain of $3,000. Right. So what this and the next several questions are going to be is, again, testing that original slider that you put because A is your original slider. And B, mm -hmm. and, and that's, you don't know which one of those you're going to get or somewhere in between those brackets. Somewhere between uh, making 20,000 and losing 13, you're going to fall somewhere in between there. And then B is going to be this, well, this is a certain amount. You're here. You're guaranteed to get, you know, just mm -hmm. under 3,000. And so if you choose A on this one and stay, they're going to keep testing you and find where that breaking point is. And they keep raising B and it keeps giving you more and more and more of a certain value to find where is that breaking point for you where you will flip over and take the guaranteed money rather than 
the potential unknown. Sure. I am going to select A. I want that potential gain, a little riskier. And that puts me at, you'd have between 120,000 and 86,000 based on that answer. Okay, next. Now the slider has adjusted. Same A is still 20,000 with the risk of losing 13,000, but B has now uh, increased to $5,600. So would I risk $20,000 to gain versus losing 13 or take the certainty of 5,600? I'm still going to stick with A and hit next and um now yep. the slider same for- thing yep just keeps raising that b that's certain yep guaranteed seven thousand um and i'm trying to remember what i really did here i think i went a one more time and then that certain gain went to 8400 and that was the time i hopped off and took the 8400 so after selecting A three times, um, I am no longer willing to risk the gain of $20,000 for a $13,000 loss. I'm going to take the guaranteed of $8,400 to end at $108,000 next. Yep, and then the next ones are just going to keep focusing and keep narrowing that in. Oh, so it went down. Right. 70s. So on this one, they on A, they increased your range. So you can make oh. up to almost 23,000, but you could potentially lose 15, and then B, they lowered that to 7700. Hmm. Interesting. I think I'm going to take the B again. And that was it. I mean, interesting. It would have been like, oh, I should would it have ended if I would have taken A? Yep. There's only so many. Okay. Yep. It just again. So that kicks out your risk at 70. 70. Much lower than the first time you took it. Was it? <laughs> yeah, your first one was pretty aggressive. Okay. And again, wasn't it like 80? No, nah, I think you were in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but again, uh, so it's going to show you, it's going to say, so for example, on this one with Adam and this, this fake one we just went through, it says his risk is a 70. Uh, it shows you the numbers again, and then you have the ability to say, yes, that feels like me, or no, I want to make an adjustment. And if you want to make an adjustment, it's going to take you back, and you're going to answer some more questions. Um, if you say, yes, it feels like me, perfect. You move that on. That number gets pushed out to your financial advisor so that you can then have a conversation about it to make sure that driving 70 miles an hour, in Adam's case, we would then look at his financial plan and see, does that work? Is that about what we need to be driving right now to achieve his goals? Do we need to be driving slower? Should we be driving faster? Um, you know, any of those things. And that it's just a good point um, and a, another additional piece of information that that all advisors should be getting, um, you know, from you and and incorporating into that financial plan that they create for you. That was interesting just for me from the client side to understand what the risk would be, but also I've, I've got to think that's a huge beneficial piece of information for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, understanding it, the behavioral part. It is hugely beneficial to me, and and not just from the standpoint of everything we've talked about that I I love this. Like I If I have clients that haven't taken this, I, I kind of like 
bug, you know, keep bugging them and bugging them. Like you need to take this because I want that information. Uh, but also like it's a regulatory requirement. So if your advisor hasn't given you one of these or some version, you know, cause there's tons of different risk analysis software or quizzes or whatever out there. If you haven't gotten anything, um, that that's not good because it is a regulatory requirement to have this on file for every client because otherwise how do you know that you're doing what's appropriate if you have no idea how fast they want to drive exactly what other are there other tools or pieces of information that you try to assess somebody with like this is a great thing just from a a behavioral standpoint but i know that you're super interested in that is there any other quizzes or um questions that you ask to assess that, that uh, uh no this so this is again when when someone is a a first a new client this is one of the first things i send out because it's it's the first piece like first stepping stone of okay let's find out what your risk tolerance is based on the answers that you did on the first half of it I get some info on how you feel about the markets and how you feel about your financial plan or your financial future, different things like that. So it's a good starting point for me to then break out and ask different questions to understand more of your background, your history, your thoughts on finances, different things like that so that I can get a, a better picture. But there's no more quizzes or anything after this. Um, it's just the first piece. And then we keep building out the financial plan around you um, as the client and what is best for achieving your goals, but then also what fits best into your you know, financial personality as well. Right on. So 70s. So I was 70 miles an hour. What is that? Yep. Kind of like a double, triple? No, that's... Uh, I mean, like the, if you put all your money in the S&P 500 uh, index, that's a 72, 73 roughly. So I'd say you're willing to take you know, a full equity portfolio. Um, you're gonna be trying to hit double, double, triple area. Home run was the 90 that you put in. That uh, might be grand slam type. <laughs> Man, I was feeling frisky that day. I guess. Yep. Yep. That that one gets pretty high when I start seeing yeah, um, high high 80s, you know, 90s as an over again as an overall portfolio. You may have certain investments inside of your portfolio uh you know like my client's portfolio there are certain etfs that are in the 80s high 80s but that's just a piece of their entire portfolio and then we have some that are in the 70s and some that are in the 40s and some that are in the 20s and then you average that all out and that's how you get to you know a 70 or some like you know some of my clients are obviously a lot lower than that all right hopefully that was uh anything else to add no, no, I think that's good. Um, you know, again, just make sure you're getting um, a risk score calculated somehow through your advisor so that you know you're not taking on too much risk uh, or not enough risk to achieve, you know, your financial goal. If you manage to listen through all that without following along, uh Shoot us an email at podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. We'll send you that quiz. You can go back and we can go walk through it with you. It's a lot of fun. Um, very helpful um, from your standpoint, but also from Tanner's standpoint as um, the financial on the financial advisor standpoint is to better understand uh, the client and how 
you think. So uh, we hope this episode has been helpful. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, leave us a review. If you're listening on Spotify, leave a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. We are committed to continuously providing the most accurate and relevant content to our listeners. Uh, So if you have any questions or suggestions or exercises like this that that you find beneficial or like, shoot us an email at podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. See you in the next episode. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com. All right, and stop recording.